Hello everyone, my name is Daniela Lake and this is Life Told by a Stranger. Life Told by a Stranger is a podcast where we hear about the diverse backgrounds, experiences, hardships, and dreams of people who have lived different walks of life. I started this podcast two years ago when I was 15, and listening to all these people's stories helps me embrace my own uniqueness, and in turn, I hope it can help you embrace yours. This season, on top of the regular interview questions I ask my guests, I asked them each to choose a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson's essay on self-reliance. This quote either parallels a time in their life, their advice to others, or more. Self-reliance talks about embracing who you are, society's effects on the individual, being a nonconformist, and so much more. Today, I'm here with Jesse Boone. born in Tucson, Arizona, which is about an hour and a half south of Phoenix and is about an hour and a half north from the Mexican border. What was your childhood like? I am the eldest of two children. It's myself and my younger brother, Corey. He's currently an optical engineer. And I was born into a family of musicians. My dad is a trombonist and piano player. Uh, he came out here and to L.A. in order to play music, and he ended up working on cruise ships for many years. Went to Arizona um, just to get a master's degree, and that's when he met my mom. My mom is a Juilliard-trained harpist. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I grew up with a lot of music in the house and a lot of random people in the house. I would just be sitting at the counter eating breakfast in my pajamas and a morning music student would just show up at the door. This total stranger would just wander in through the house and I would just kind of wave at him. I'm just used to <laughs> people coming in that I've never met before. So are you into music? I play the viola and I also play bass. Uh, my dad infamously told my mom, uh, we're going to have only boys and we're going to have a rhythm section. And he got his wish. My brother plays drums. I play bass. Uh, dad tricked me into playing the bass. I said I wanted to play guitar. He handed me the four-string bass that he happened to have just in case I was interested. <laughs> and he said, here, why don't you just start with these four strings and you can work your way up to the last two. I liked it so much that I never went up. We have a family band. It's called A Family Affair. We have a jazz CD. Uh, we play New Year's Eve. We always do a gig at our retirement home. Kick off the New Year. It's the perfect way to do New Year's because... Uh, the retirement folk go to bed at 9, do the big party, and then you still have a few hours before midnight to do whatever else you'd like to do. After attending the University of Arizona and going to New York for film school, Jesse moved to Los Angeles about three years ago. Los Angeles is seen by many as the entertainment capital of the world, and that's exactly why Jesse was drawn to it. He's an actor, and like many actors, moved to Los Angeles for more opportunities. But why acting? Sometimes when I see how many people are in the entertainment industry, I wonder what exactly led them to it. Storytelling, really. I, was the, I like to say I was the kid that grew up swinging a stick outside, pretending it was a lightsaber. And somewhere along the way, I kind of never really grew out of that. I stayed out in my backyard. I would come up with my own stories. I would sort of direct my brother and I, and then Eventually, my younger brother kind of outgrew play, and I was just kind of stuck there in a limbo. 
Jesse was the kid who made stories come to life in his backyard, and that evolved into being on stage in high school plays, community theater, and film. His first film was on September 16, 2011. He remembered the exact date. Besides music and film, I was wondering what else played a big role in Jesse's life. The topic of church came up. That's where I first started going to church, was because mom and dad would freelance and get hired at different churches to play in their worship bands. So I would be at this church one week, I'd be at this church the other week, and I think that's why it took many years in order to finally find a church to call home. How big is church in your life? Church is pretty big in my life. Um, I came to faith, I'm a dates person, I already threw up my film birthday. Uh, <laughs> May 28th, 2009 is when I gave my life to Christ. It was at a summer camp. I initially went to that camp because my brother and a friend of ours wanted to do the evolution of dance for the talent show. That was the only reason I wanted to go and just listened to the sermons and started taking it more seriously and my heart opened up. And that's when church became a much more active part of my life. I enjoy community. I enjoy meeting people that think like me. Even though, you know, you love talking to people that think differently than you, it's something special where you feel like you have a home group to go back to. Yeah, and I don't think we're meant to be alone. Mm -hmm. We're social creatures by nature, and I feel like we need a sense of community. And for a multitude of ways, I think the sense of community is something that we have lost ever since church on the whole started becoming less important in most people's lives. I enjoy just feeling that I can go to people to talk to about anything. I feel that there's people that truly, they have my best interest at heart without an agenda. Sometimes we're so focused on just our individual self. Me and my brother were talking about that because when he went to Singapore, he noticed how everyone was much more we instead of just I and me. And I like how at church, you feel that we, you know, when you're doing stuff, when you're in the service, it's like you're not alone. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I think that is, I think that is a U.S. thing. A lot of Eastern cultures have more of a collectivist feel. And I think church is one of the most diverse places. We don't always get a rap for it, but... I think church is one of the most diverse places on earth because you truly have different people of different backgrounds, different skill sets, different history. They all come together for a common purpose. Uh, I, think, I think that's church. I think that's the army. I think that's the film industry in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think enough people, regardless of L.A. or wherever they are, I don't think a lot of Western people have that sense of community. And I think they crave it without knowing that they crave it. Because I think you have a lot of angry young people looking to, what they ultimately want is just to belong to something. They want to feel like they're contributing, that they're part of the solution. I feel like that's why there are more activists now than there ever have been. Yeah. I'm not saying, Everything. yeah, and I'm not saying they don't believe in their causes, but I think what they really crave is that belonging. They, f they crave that common purpose with other people going, yeah, this is what we're going to accomplish. And we all want to, I feel like behind all these, behind all these moments, we all just really want to be together. We just want to be happy. You yeah. Know? I feel like that's the underlying purpose of everything. Yeah. Yeah. We want to be 
together and we want to be happy. It's crazy. That's like the most simple thing, but yet it's also the most elusive thing. I feel the farther we go in life, the more things that we try to do, the more distracted we get. And sometimes the more divorced we get from our sense of purpose, our sense of belonging. And we get so distracted by the little the little things of life that we lose sight of what has always been closest to us. And that's just connection with other people. Yeah, that's why I love doing this, because I feel like I can connect with people. I like this. I think this is a great <laughs> idea. I think this is a great show. Thank you. Yeah. Have you ever wondered how different your life would be if you had stayed in one location instead of another? If you had gone to that concert or if you didn't? That's what I was wondering about Jesse's life. I mean, how different would he have been if he had stayed in Arizona all this time? I just feel like I would have always been wondering what else is out there. And it's, it's very weird. We always feel like the grass is greener elsewhere. Um, because if I know that if I were in Arizona, I would just be wanting to come here. I would want to be in this grind, in this race, in this crazy industry. I feel like I would have settled and taken myself away from what I've really wanted, what I've really wanted to chase. And yet when I'm here, sometimes I think about maybe it would be nicer just living in a smaller town, Mm -hmm. a place, a simple life, a simple life. Yeah, a place that, you know, I could just take part in a nine to five and find meaning outside of my work. Because when I'm out here, I'm not able to do a bunch of clubs. I'm not able to have as active of a church life as I would really like to. And I feel that I would have more time to read. I feel like I would have a more reflective life. Because I feel you're taking so many steps out here, literally and metaphorically, that you You can't ever look too far ahead or you can't always just look over and enjoy the view. And I think you can do that in Arizona. There's fewer people. There's more open space. It's unbelievably hot there, but there is a lot of beauty there. And in some weird ways, you know, I came out here to be an actor and ultimately answer what it is to be human. And sometimes I think I'd get a better answer if I got to pull myself away from the rat race more and have more time to reflect. All this stuff Jesse was saying made me think of the quote he chose from Self-Reliance. This quote is supposed to parallel an experience of his or his life advice. This is the quote he chose. A political victory, a rise of rents, the recovery of your sick or the return of your absent friend or some other favorable event raises your spirits and you think good days are preparing for you. Do not believe it. Nothing can bring you peace but yourself. Ralph Waldo Emerson. I, I think that's very true. Um, there's a saying I picked up on a couple years ago that says, the cavalry isn't coming. You always think, if I, if I can just do this one thing, then I will be happy. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I can book this one role, I'll be happy. If I can have a sustainable career, if I can just get married, if I can you know, launch this podcast, if I hit five seasons with this, then I will be happy. And every time you get there, it's it's a rainbow. You get to the end and realize that it's moved elsewhere. Yeah, and you just have to keep chasing it. It's like, when are you going to get there and stay there? Yeah, and I think the chase is important, Mm -hmm. but you have to keep the chase in perspective. Because yes, you should always be striving for the next thing. But 
at the same time, you know, we build ships not just to see where we can go, but to enjoy the sea. And if you are so focused on which port to get to, you miss out on the beauty of the sea. You miss out on the wind. You miss out on the foam. The ocean is three-fourths of the Earth's surface for a reason. And if you just completely ignore all that just to focus on this one area where you're headed, it'll drive you insane. And I know a lot of people that make themselves incredibly unhappy out here because people think, you know, if we can just, if I can just make enough money, if we can just get this one political person out of office, then I will be happy. Then we will have reached the finish line. You don't reach the finish line. It's not there. And you'll forget the entire race. You just look at the finish line. My mom always tells me that you can't rely on things and people and things outside of yourself for your happiness it's from inside because yeah. you can be in any situation you could be in like there's so many people that are living in different circumstances and some people who are living in what we think would be a sad life or an unfulfilling life they're actually really content yes because they're just happy with what they have yeah you ever, have you ever read uh, Hatchet by no. Gary Paulson? No, I, I haven't. Um, it's a really great book about a guy whose plane crash lands in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And he survives for a good couple, I think it's just a couple months, but he survives all on his own. He has to like hunt his own food. And he's not a Boy Scout. He's not a wilderness man. He has to learn it all from scratch. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the book, he is standing in the middle of a supermarket And he's just looking at all that food, all that food that's just standing there. Hundreds of people just walk by. They don't pay it a second thought. I grab my eggs, I grab my milk, and then I go. Mm -hmm. And this guy is thinking, man, like no one has any idea just how much they have. have." And yet they're they're not even focused on the food that's literally going to keep them alive. Mm -hmm. They're focused on who's going to win the ball game. They're focused on, can I make this car payment in time? And we do spend way too much time just thinking about this stuff we either don't have or don't need and miss the stuff that's right in front of us that mm-hmm. is more important. Mm-hmm. And it happens all the time. And I love the moments where you catch yourself, where you're like, wait a second. That's not what this is all about. Yeah. You know? I have a question for you. I have an answer. <laughs> If you were to write an autobiography, uh, what is one story you would have to include? Oh, man. I think I would include a story about when I first got to L.A. Right around the time I left New York, uh, my plan was to go home to Arizona for a week just to see my parents, and I had to buy a car mm-hmm. and then come to L.A., And then while I was in Arizona, I got word that I booked a feature film uh, that was going to shoot in Ohio. And there was a play that was touring Arizona that lost an actor. So they needed a last-minute replacement. They thought of me. They heard I was in town. They asked me to take the role. So I ended up staying in Arizona for two whole months working on this play, getting paid to do it, 
at the, as soon as the play closed, I went straight from the theater to the hotel to grab my bags, to go to the airport, to catch a red eye to Ohio, to shoot the film. And then I was away doing this film. And then I got to LA and I was thinking, nothing is going to stop me. I'm coming in with all this momentum and nothing. I had no leads. I had no uh, chances to do other work. Um, I felt like I had broken through and I had to go straight back to the restaurants, straight back to the grunt work. And I think the reason that story would be in my autobiography is because it really just sums up the fact that no matter how many victories you think you've gotten, no matter what milestones you think you've passed, there comes a time where eventually you will have to hit the reset button and understand that, yes, I did these incredible things, but as much as I want to, these things don't define me. Mm -hmm. And I can't look at these fleeting temporary gigs to just bring me happiness because as soon as they're gone, the industry moves on and I have no choice but to move on. Mm -hmm. And there's someone very close to me in my life who I think is grappling with that mm -hmm. because he's booked all this work and he's miserable the next day once he's no longer on set. Oh. And I think he needs to just sort of anchor in what will make him happy. I think he needs mm -hmm. to look at that quote. The happiness is within. You can't look at these external things mm -hmm. because it's shadows on the cave and they are beautiful. But in the morning when the sun comes out, they're gone. Wow. <laughs> and you've got to find something else to perk you up and give you meaning. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Life Told by a Stranger. Stay tuned for part two of Jesse's episode coming soon. Thank you.